welcome to yet another episode of Masters of Our Domain, the podcast that is allegedly about Seinfeld. I'm Milo Edwards. I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Phoebe Roy. Hello. That's all she ever says. And uh, this week we are joined by a very special guest, Abigail Thorne of Philosophy Tube fame. Abby, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. It's glad to be here. I... It's glad to be here. Fantastic fucking start. <laughs> it's One glad, glad to be here. I'm good. Um, yeah, I, I've never seen Seinfeld before. Uh, Fantastic. This is the first and I think only episode uh, I'm ever going to watch. Um, yeah, an interesting experience. We'll get into it, I, I'm sure, maybe. <laughs> Depending Consider. on how the podcast goes. We mm. sometimes get into it. We sometimes don't. It really depends. Um, depends what other things you've got on your mind. Any riffs well, you want to know well, about well-known British ask, people? I was going to ask, um, so can you tell me a little bit about what Seinfeld is and where it came from? Because it's very before my time, and watching it felt like a window into an entirely different universe. It's, it's, it's a comedy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Phoebe, okay. do you want to take this? Yeah, all right. No, no, I'll take this. I mean, I mean, first... Phoebe is the resident Seinfeld expert. I, okay. of course, have not seen it. Don't She's a professor of, of Seinfeld and Seinfeld... Seinfeld Seinfeldology. That's right. Mm-hmm. I, am a, I am a Seinfeldologist. Uh, I, mean, f- I mean, first of all, the first thing I would like to say is we do have a rule uh, where guests are not allowed to be youthful in front of me on this show. So I'm afraid uh, I'm sorry. expressions like uh, before my time, uh, mm. absolutely not allowed. You should see is... the portrait of Phoebe in my attic. It is, <laughs> is horrendous. It's, it's disgusting. You should see mine. <laughs> You've got a portrait of Phoebe as well. <laughs> Everyone does. It's how I stay so. My uh, my portrait polygeny. of my sinful self is uh is just seven years worth of YouTube videos. <laughs> when you get so old that you have to have multiple portraits of Dorian Gray of yourself. Huh. What would have happened? Had, uh, what would have happened if if he had photographed or photocopied that portrait? I, would he I have, would he split his soul into multiple? I suppose that wasn't really the crux of the novel, was it? I don't, if they, I don't, if they remade um, it now and they had to like explain the whole science behind it. I bet they'd go into mm. that. But I suppose what, it's more about the moral message. What if the origin of it was more of a sort of black magic incident at a Christmas party and it was a photocopy of Dorian Gray's ass? <laughs> what would have happened then? So his his ass accumulates his sins. <laughs> just a just a horrible, hairy ass, just like really just getting worse and worse, sagging mm. through the years. But it's the portrait it's the photocopy of the ass that would do that. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, of course. His regular ass would re- remain blemish-free. His regular free. ass would stay youthful and blemish-free, yeah. mm. but his the rest of his body would age. So, like a kind of, <laughs> so like a kind of reverse Achilles heel situation. <laughs> Only his ass. He has like the ass of, of like a twenty-five-year-old for the rest of his life. The rest yeah. of him falls apart. This is the, the platonic form of like the Greek <laughs> philosopher. Just like this man is living the best life available to a person. He is an old wise man, but he has the arse of a young boy. <laughs> oh my god. Well that's, Look, that's, I know my that's what they were like. That's what yeah, Milo knows the Greeks, that's what they were about. <laughs> so his you know? se- so his sea nymph mother took him. Intending to dip him into the immortal life-giving waters, but ended up just only dipping his arse in. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, maybe the immortal right. life-giving okay. waters were in the toilet, and he was so small that he fell in, but only his arse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So his Achilles has an invincible ass, 
but the rest of him is, is <laughs> the rest of him is a, the rest of him is a disaster. He's <laughs> like going into battle ass first, <laughs> sauntering up to people in Bergheim, going, "My ass is invincible. Try me." The only person who destroys this ass is Patroclus. <laughs> <laughs> I think the idea of Achilles bottoming for Patroclus is very interesting. Achilles is a power you, bottom. Uh, uh, oh, Achilles is a bottom. Come on. Yeah, Achilles is a power bottom. Of course he is. You think it's because he's so dominant in his non-sexual yeah. life? He likes yes, exactly. To... Of course. Yeah, he's the greatest warrior of all the Achaeans. He doesn't want to be dominant. Like this is exactly the same conversation we had about Superman, <laughs> which is alarming in itself. <laughs> Day one listeners to this podcast will be aware that a similar discourse was had about whether (laughs) Superman was a top or a bottom. So what about the rest of them? I think, well, Paris is is straight. Well, or or is he? I think Paris is asexual. Really? Uh, Even though he's he's married to Helen of Troy. Yeah, but he's he's not into it. He was he was obliged to. He, He I'll tell you what Paris is. Paris is like that very very hot but oddly like oddly kind of like sexless boy who everyone fancied at school. He's got like a kind of boy band vibe. Like mm. part of it is that he is completely sexually unthreatening. Yeah. Um. Mm. So he, so he's like, he's into the super hot girl because like they're a picturesque power couple and he feels like it's necessary. Oh, and so also he's the Helen he is, for the gram. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also he has been obliged to by, uh, uh, by the spirit of Aphrodite, of Aphrodite, Afro- Aphrodite gives Paris Helen. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, but this was, but this was. So Aphrodite is the- basically a Love Island producer in the sort of ancient Greek uh, drama continuum. Yeah, I was, I was just really I mean- about to start explaining my undergraduate dissertation to you, but no one needs to hear about that. No one, <laughs> no one, needs, no one needs to hear about this. Basically, mm. uh, the spirit, the the, uh, the personified spirit of strife, also known as Eris, is mm. responsible for the whole situation so paris is actually yeah yeah, so paris is actually not operating uh with any kind of free will paris wants to wants to hang out with the fellas but Mm. he's Mm. but it's in an but he's like he's the he's the one he's the one hot dude who just never seems to fuck that's paris yeah that is that is a routine thing isn't it Mm. like the himbo who never fucks yeah agamemnon's gotta be straight yeah agamemnon's straight Agamemnon yeah. is uh, terrified of having his asshole touched. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. Hector I, Agamemnon's pussy, a bit of a baz. I always got. Oh yeah, Hector eats pussy. Yeah. <laughs> Agamemnon yeah. always struck me as a bit of a baz. He's a bit. Like, he's a bit of a geezer. Maybe that's because he was played by Brian Jones, Cox in the film. Not racist. Just don't like him. <laughs> don't like it. There's the horse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I stole me bird. We've got to go there and get her back. Ag- Agamemnon uh, hiring in contractors to build a Trojan horse. It's, like, it's a big job, mate. <laughs> you say, oh, it's that big? What do you need that for? Is this the face that launched a thousand white vans? <laughs> <laughs> looking at the or- looking at the original horse, just saying, I don't know who you had who you had <gasps> build this, but that ne- that will never torch the city of Troy. <laughs> uh, it's Agam- it's Menelaus's bird. It's not Agamemnon's bird. Oh it's shit! I'm sorry. Agamemnon's sister-in-law. Listen, ah. my me brother's, me brother's wife's a slag and we've got to go give her a talking to. Okay. So what? so Menelaus also presumably straight. Oh, Menelaus is, is straight. Yes. Because yeah. he brings so. back Cassandra, doesn't he? Mm. 
Uh, no, that's Agamemnon. That's Agamemnon. That's Agamemnon. Still, still Agamemnon. Agamemnon's yeah. a fucking jerk. This yeah. is kind yeah. of this is this wow, is Agamemnon's cancelled actually. This is this is, this is yeah, missing. If you're Agamemnon, don't listen to this podcast. Yeah. Also, watch out for your wife. This is missing yeah. from the from <laughs> the discussion of the Iliad. The, Agam- the Agamemnon is actually very problematic. <laughs> mm. I try- Agamemnon is silencing uh, women's voices by not listening to the prophecies of Cassandra. <laughs> I saw so I saw somebody uh, straight-facedly doing an Achilles cancellation the other day. Wait, what? Yeah, like, oh yeah, it's actually in that book that Achilles is a paedophile. Patroclus is supposed to be really young, and it's like, what are you? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> it's so typical of a certain kind of man to adopt a queer identity to attempt <laughs> to get away with things. <laughs> are you like, are you suggesting that Achilles is like Kevin Spacey? In the, in when, when, <laughs> when accused of pedophilia it's just like actually it's that I'm gay yeah but also I have, the, an, I have an invincible ass that was, that was the that was oh, the trouble God. with Kevin Spacey was that his mother dipped almost all of him into the into the river apart from his uh, reputation um <laughs> oh I thought you were gonna go I thought we were doing a kind of usual suspect riff and that's what, oh. and that's why his, and that's why his limp gets healed because actually, apart from his invincible mm. ass, that would be a good bit yeah. of intertextuality. It so would, at the end yeah. of the Iliad, you find out that Homer was looking at the wall behind you, and he's made it all up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, this is literally how oral bardic tradition works. So <laughs> yeah, mm. that's like that's that's correct. It's a guy just riffing. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a story, Grandad. All oh, right. Oh God. So it was this nonce, right? <laughs> so Odysseus. Called Achilles. Yeah. Is is Odysseus straight? Yeah, Odysseus is straight. Yeah. No, Odysseus but is. He bi. really likes the fellas. Odysseus is bi. Mm. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. Odysseus yeah. has strong bi energy. Mm-hmm. He has it. You know what? Odysseus really has that energy of like the uh, the mustachioed World War Two army officer who is desperate to die. <laughs> like, the guy who's just like, I'm just here for the blokes, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. That, like, well, listen, sort of- when I was out there in Troy with the blokes, it was really hard. You know, one of my men spent days sulking in his tent. And sometimes you've just got to just got to chat to your blokes and make sure they're all right. <laughs> listen, guys, I think the run-in with the sirens has really given us an important message about mental health. <laughs> I think a lot of you are bottling things up that maybe we should just all sit down and address. Really excited to uh, announce uh, I'm a partnering with, partnering uh, with a Calypso. Uh, <laughs> Some of the blokes, you know, they got turned into pigs, and that's quite hard, you know, when you're out there <laughs> being turned into an animal by by a witch. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't recognise there. You know, there are things worse than getting killed that can happen to you out there, and being turned into a pig is one of them. <laughs> uh, because in many ways, being turned into a pig is like being depressed. Yeah. You yeah. can't. You can't wash. You can't feed yourself. You mm. runt all the time instead of speaking. Yeah, yeah. It's quite astute. Yeah. It's yeah. quite astute. I, I yeah. am. I am very astute, Abby. That is something that you'll yeah. get to know about me. Anyway, you were explaining the Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what is? <laughs> yeah, I was. What is Seinfeld? I was it's explaining the history. A comedy of from from the before times. It mm. is a comedy from the before times. It is before they invented jokes. 
I'm loving this episode already. It's getting spicy <laughs> um, early on. Yeah, that is no, that is spicy. Um, it is important to uh, give you the uh, the every episode guest disclaimer, which mm-hmm. is that it turns into the best sitcom ever written from season three. So what we've done is we force people to watch things, watch episodes from season. Mm-hmm. Too, uh, and yeah. if you are like if you're very very familiar with it, then season two still has still has its moments. If you're less familiar with it, then you are a bit like, well, what the fuck is it? I'm watching. It mm-hmm. started in the very very early '90s and mm-hmm. ended in the late '90s. Yeah, it is. Uh, it was written and created by Larry David. So we, of so we never Herb got to. Fame. We never got to see Seinfeld deal with 9/11. It's well, funny, it's funny, funny you should you say should that. Say that. <laughs> uh, there is a Seinfeld does 9-11 spec script that exists, which I keep meaning to find Holy for Milo. shit. Um, it's... Mm. It's fair. It's. I'm not going to lie to you. It's good. It's I think we good. should. We should do. We should do a big. Uh, we should do a big bonus mood where we do a table read. Get some people in. Oh, oh that's a really yeah. Good idea. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do it. Abby, if you want to do a table <laughs> yeah. read of the Seinfeld Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Why not? Because um, I was actually thinking as I was watching this that if you took out the laugh track, some of these scenes might actually be quite good for dramatic showreels. Um, oh, really? They're not, they're not, yeah, well, they're not really funny, but they, they have um, some of the scenes, like the scene where the, I don't know the names, the guy with the glasses who loses his job. Costanza. Where he's, where I, know, I know which one Jerry is. So where, yeah. when he's one talking to Jerry. Ass. Yeah. When he's talking to Jerry about, I've lost my job, what else could I do? You could take the laugh track out of that and take the pauses out of that. And that might be quite a good, like, light-hearted back and forth scene to do in a showreel or um, like a sort of uh, showcase at the end of drama school. So, yeah, it struck yeah. me that, like, you know, they're not bad scenes. They're just, as I say, it's from before they invented jokes. It's like Death of a Salesman with a laugh track, the Costanza <laughs> episode. <laughs> I think that would be fun, actually, just to throw in, just to throw in a laugh track over like serious things. Um, oh, that would be great. Nine Eleven footage, laugh track. That's um, just the YouTube zone. <laughs> that is that is true. Um, hey, if you like this podcast, tune into the YouTube zone. Um, right. So, well, anyway, if we if we're going to go through the episode, which we might as well, might as well take that opportunity. Oh no, actually, I had something to okay. say before we do. Mm-hmm. I have two. Right. I have I have two things to say. One okay. of them is one of them is an apology. It's a very sincere apology. Okay. Uh, it has been brought to my attention that last week I claimed that in the sitcom Seinfeld, the subject of this podcast, uh, they only ever mentioned two real films, two or three real films. Uh, it has been brought to my attention that this is not correct. Uh, it is my fault that I didn't have every single episode of this nine season show at immediate mental uh, at immediate mental reach uh, and I will try to do better in the future I am Phoebe's grown and changed I'm learning I'm growing and there is also a spreadsheet that I got sent which has a, a list of all the films that ever what get kind mentioned of psychotic in individual <laughs> Thank you very much for emailing the podcast. Jerry S. doesn't leave a surname. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of our listeners, always nice to hear from the fans. Bragging about his ass once again. <laughs> Are you suggesting that Jerry Seinfeld is a paedophile because he has an invincible ass like Kevin Spacey? <laughs> <laughs> That's the running theme. <laughs> he, did go, he did go out with a teenage girl, which sort of 
just sort of get sort of slid under the under the conversational rug. Yeah, because it was part of an ancient Greek warrior tradition. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. She then she then left him for an Instagram himbo. Like the Briseis yeah. of Long Island. <laughs> mm. <laughs> now that is a sitcom that will get made. <laughs> Pete Davidson is <laughs> the Briseis of Long Island. I'd watch that. I'd yeah. watch that. Oh, to be fair, we've been in lockdown for a hundred years. I'll watch anything. Mm. I literally so don't care. Instead now. of King of Queens, it's it's what was the Greek word for dictator? Like Archon of Queens or something. I forget. Uh, yeah, they're they're mm. a, uh, Tyrannus. Yeah, Tyrannus yeah. of Queens. Yeah, Tyrannus yeah, yeah. of Queens. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I, These two guys well. are fighting over me again. That just what sounded like that sounded like Asimo. Different podcast. Aston Asimo. I was given as a war price this Greek warrior. What the fuck? I'm supposed to sell Hondas. <laughs> I can barely walk. He wants to fuck me. What is this? Don't even have an orifice. I love that. I love Not that. even a cloaca. I love that um, the Asimo, the Mark Wahlberg voice robot is on some kind of time traveling adventure through different podcasts and realities <laughs> to try and get back to selling Hondas. <laughs> That's right. Um, it's like Cloud Atlas, but just <laughs> that everyone is Asimo. And what was the second thing you were going to say? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Because now all I'm thinking about is whether or not the invincible, the invincible ass has an anus. Yeah. Does it, or yes. is it just smooth? I suppose. Yeah, you know, I think the invincible ass is the anus is a bit like the crumple zone. Like it has to be able crumple, to absorb absorb impact. Zone. Yeah. Maybe it's only maybe it's only vulnerable <laughs> on the ring, and that's why he gets hit. That's why he gets hit with the poison arrow. Is right there. <laughs> Yeah, the arse is invincible, but the anus isn't. That's actually what happened to Achilles. He got pegged to death. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. The, the most shad way to go. It is. Mm. Yeah. No, I remember what the second thing I was going to say. It's just, no, it's just really, it's just really nice that uh, uh, the brand of this podcast is now so strong that we uh, uh, routinely get sent information about different breeds of cows and just keep that, just keep, Keep, Keep those coming, coming because I'm really, really happy to see the cow pictures that people now send me. It makes me very, it makes me very happy and Aww. contented. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I found out about a new kind of cow, which is called the limousine cow, um, <laughs> which, which just this is like, really, really long. It's, yeah. it, that's the thing. They're like, they're quite like kind of low slung and squat. They're like kind of like corgi cows. Um, Wearing like that a seems cap. cool, but they're, they're. I don't think they're bred like that. I think that's just what they look like. They're very nice. Yeah, they don't look as absurd as like a sausage dog or something. They're like relatively no. well proportioned. Trying to a book a limousine for someone's cow. prom and get it get mixed up and booking them some kind of cow. Ah, <laughs> oh, that would be great. Just walk a lot. Just walk along like beside the cow, and it just well, you leads you it. to prom. Yeah, Can logging you ride onto SwissLimousines.ch and being very and surprised when what turns up. I don't think you could ride a cow. You must be able to. Depends on if you buy a drink first, really. I well, I'm maybe I don't, I don't know what their <laughs> I don't know what their backs are like. Um, what their what their knees are like? I don't know. They have their shoulders and their and their hips are like higher than the middle of their back, aren't they? They don't have like yeah. a flat back. No, they no. don't. But you could like, but that makes it easier to sit on, doesn't it? Probably, yeah. Well, you'd, I don't. You'd I presume they're strong enough. You'd have to yeah. brace it with your knees. 
I'm concerned about the What if you hung on to it from the underside? Sorry, (laughs) beg your pardon. What if you hung on to it from the underside? Oh, no, 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 it wouldn't like that. And also, I feel like there's (laughs) things that would get in the way, namely udders. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Also, cows are quite low slung. They have quite low suspension. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People ride bulls, don't they? Yeah, but the, true, don't do. li- but the bulls don't they, they like, don't like it. it but it's like physiolo- physiologically, it's fine. Yeah, so but- if you did it with a cow, which is more placid, but fundamentally the same animal, it would probably be all right. She probably wouldn't get anywhere mm. very fast. Yes, that's true. What is the species name of the common farm bovine? Dairy cow, I don't know. Because like, no, because well, cow, cause cow, mean, no, cause cow means... Because cow is just the name for the female... Version and bull is what the male, yeah, yeah. the male version, uh, the, the, the male reissue, the male reissue of the cow is called the bull. Men cows, but with like an asterisk <laughs> going instead of the you e. cows for men. Finally, <laughs> we've launched a, a cow that dudes can have. Yeah, <laughs> Try a new bull. I only drink milk from male cows because I'm not fucking gay. <laughs> Fellas, is it is it gay to walk along? That's the first line of the cow. <laughs> <laughs> Pouring uh, so- bull semen on my cereal to own the limbs. <laughs> I sing of arms and the cow. That would be so expensive. Mm. Um, apparently, yeah. the the Latin name for cow is Bos taurus. That's that's yes, yeah, so, but is mm. that but is that the actual formal species name? Because people just say cows and bulls, don't they? There's not like a cows kind of collective. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes, but apparently there's not like there's a, a collective apparently name. it's like dogs. So all dogs are kind of familiaris, but there's different breeds. Apparently uh, it's much the same with cows. They're all postaurus, but there's different ones. Uh, I would prefer to go. have a cow than a dog. Not that I've got to the feed. choice either. You That's couldn't true. have it sleep on the end of your bed, could you? Watch me. <laughs> it would stink. Cows don't stink. Yeah, they do. do. They? they do massive shits everywhere. They reek. Yeah, well, you send it out. Well, so do dogs. Yeah, but dog the, shit smells worse than than the cow pad. I don't know. Cow shit's pro- pretty yeah, bad. But cows only eat grass. It's like a big wet, like yeah, but they really digest it. Like also, they, they they famously fart loads. Oh yeah, uh, that's yeah. true. Okay, um, right, yes. Uh, I just want I just wanted to say if you've got if you've got more cow information, then we always want to hear cow information. We absolutely do. Um, we love to hear cow information. Um, it's our favourite kind of information. Right, I'm, go- I'm going to start on my notes of the Seinfeld episode because right. we will be sidetracked again, but I'm going to make a token effort to... Okay. Um, so it opens with a bit uh, where uh, Seinfeld talks about a guy getting arrested for like a murder or something who is being taken into the police station by the police and he's always covering his face. And he's like, why is he, why is he covering his face? Like... What is it that he does that he thinks that's gonna like do for his reputation? Like they're gonna be watching the TV and they're like, "Is that is that David from Accounts? He's been picking people off from the clock tower. That's not the kind of person we need on the new contract." I think this is like a lightly amusing bit. Yeah, that was my take on that. Yeah. So is he in in the show? Is Seinfeld also a comedian, or is this yes. in some yes. kind of liminal alternate? Oh, okay. So he's so he must be quite successful if he's got that flat. He's uh he's supposed to be a moderately successful comedian, yeah. and as this episode implies, when it says he had fifteen hundred dollars in his laundry bag, yeah, like a fucking yeah. gangster. I guess he got paid after a gig. That's quite a lot, though, isn't it? So I think that's it was that's really a lot, lot of money then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, surely we're talking thirty dollars and, and a pizza. Yeah, it was three months' rent then. Apparently, mm. according to oh, a previous yeah, episode yeah. of Seinfeld. <laughs> 
That, um, well, to be, to be fair, I mean, we should be really keeping track of uh, some of the some of the numbers and try and crunch them because mm. a lot of them don't make a lot of sense. The Seinfeld numbers cast. Yeah. <laughs> Seinfeld Moneyball. Right. How much money is Costanza bringing in? Like get Riley on to talk about macroeconomics and Seinfeld. Oh, absolutely. So, so when it's filming him doing the stand-up, is that footage from a real gig or are those actors no, in the audience? No, those, no, that, like those, right. that, that, those are fictionalised in-show gigs because yeah. he did which look is, a little bit too put together i, I just didn't bit, buy it a little bit put together um which is why they're always absolutely hooting and hollering regardless of what the bit is yes i did notice that mm. but of course they are playing an american audience so that is slightly more that's realistic. also a good point that's a good point mm. they're very cheery they are they're, just, they're pleased audiences. to be there they're just yeah. they're just happy to be out happy to be to fair like to be they fair, make much better I, audiences than they do comedians I'll say fair, that. if i was seeing stand up now i would laugh at literally anything because i'd just be so happy to be out <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, look mm. at this look at this being outside being out of my house in a room yeah that's not one of the rooms that makes up my house which is the first ever bit in the show seinfeld that's where oh, he talks God, about you know, being it is, out. Isn't it? He's like, you're all out. You're not at home because you're here. Oh. Yeah, oh you no. got to go out. And then oh, sooner no. or later, you're looking at your watch. You're like, we got to get back. Um, it's one of the more perplexing bits, actually, it's, I it think. Is quite, it's quite a perplexing bit. <laughs> it's I, like a very sort of metaphysical bit about like <laughs> where you are at any given point in time. <laughs> I'm now well, a little really bit here? Con- is there a part of you that's in a different, in a different time zone? What if I'm you just exist as a 4D concerned. object? <laughs> that my, that my li- I'm, yeah, I'm now just concerned that my life has started to become uh, dictated and delimited specifically by the bits in Seinfeld, and oh, like, no. and I just come to the same conclusions just three weeks after. You've got weird eyebrows, have you? Are, you? are you suggesting that Seinfeld predicted your life? Yes, that's what I'm suggesting. Yeah. Like Nicolas bit- Cage in The Knowing. Yes, mm. or um, oh, that what's that? Uh, what's it called? That. That film which thinks it's extremely smart but is actually god bloody awful. Nicholas Cage right. and the Wicker Man. <laughs> no. Like, okay, let's just not guess films because we could be guessing. Nicholas Cage and Ghost Rider. <laughs> <laughs> is it Bad Lieutenant 2, Port of Call, New Orleans? <laughs> I'm just queuing us up for lots of monthly movie corners. Well, like, here. you think that because you're my friend and I love you, I won't hurt you, but that is just not true. And that's just not something which you should be relying on. Maybe you hurt me on every episode of this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fortunately, uh, Milo is completely invincible apart from his art. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And I, and, I pre- only weak point. <laughs> and I prepare for that exact eventuality. You want to cancel me? You'll have to peg me, see? <laughs> anyway, I've forgotten what this film's called, but it's got yeah. Will, it's got Will Ferrell and Emma Thompson in. Oh, that's a combo! It's a weird combo, and it is mm. about this guy who realizes that his life has been is not his own, but has been created by an author played by Emma Thompson, who is very stranger surprised. than fiction. Stranger than fiction. Thank you, Abby. Um, I got confused with Willem Dafoe for a second and thought it was an even stranger combination. Oh yeah, that would. <laughs> I'd watch that. Mm. Will Ferrell and Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Doing a remake it's called of Face Off. Yeah. Will they, won't they? Um, yeah. Ooh, oh, I nice. like that. That's good. Will they, um, won't they? So what's the plot of Will they, won't they? They have to swap lives. I think Willem Dafoe would be a sort of like uh, uh, miserly businessman and Will Ferrell would maybe be like the, the post boy or something. His son. It's his, it's his charmingly oh, yeah. uh, irreverent son. 
who interrupts the big business meetings. And, yeah. you know, Willem Dafoe's got to, like, loosen up. And, yeah, and Will Ferrell's got to learn to take responsibility. It's just Freaky Friday again, isn't it? Aren't they roughly the same age? Probably, yeah, but Will Ferrell yeah. has this thing of like playing people much younger than him. Very problematic, in my much opinion. Much like Seinfeld, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, allegedly. <laughs> playing. He, Jerry Seinfeld actually played a much younger version of Jerry Seinfeld, which when you think about it, is kind of fucked up. <laughs> much um, like uh, famously cancelled stand-up comedian Achilles. <laughs> Achilles tried to go back to stand-up without at all addressing the way he treated Briseis. And... Uh, that's why promoters won't work with them anymore. Um, Go see Achilles at Comedy Unleashed. Yeah. Look, <laughs> fundamentally, this is about the safety of women in the tro ad, and if you can't respect that... There is a spreadsheet. Yeah. Has there ever been a more Baroque bit on this podcast? No. No, no there hasn't. Um, uh, with regards to this bit, yeah. um, it's just something I'd like to explain to Abby, and also to explain to you as well, Milo, um, mm. is that something which, something which I rather enjoy as one of its, like, as one as it's very, very kind of minor and faint narrative threads, is that as the show goes on, it becomes a running bit within the show that he's actually not supposed to be a terrifically good comedian. He's a mm. successful comedian, but none of his friends have any respect for what he does. Um, his parents think his think his act is not is is not great. Yeah, he's a comedian. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, <gasps> um, obviously true. But like, it st- it starts with like the assumption that he's like this terrifically funny guy. Uh, but it it very much becomes apparent later on that he's not that he's mm. kind of supposed to suck as a comedian. And I think that's good. I think that's very funny. But that's not. Yeah. But that's not the vibe early on. So, like, I mean, as far as this bit goes. I mean, the problem with it is, is that, is that it's very, very old-fashioned because criminals don't do that anymore. I've, I've never seen a. I, I do see it. Yeah, sometimes it depends on the, it depends on the crime. You often, yeah, you often see that people like hold on it over their face when they're being taken away, like a jacket or something. I've not. I don't think I've seen that for a really long time. It's only really in those like high-profile cases where they're being taken from like the van into the courtroom, and there are reporters there. It's like that kind of situation. You quite often see it then. I thought but, it was interesting um, that Seinfeld. Well, he sort of brackets out the attempt to get inside the criminal's mindset because it immediately occurred to me that they probably do that out of shame. But then I suppose that that's quite a heady topic to get into for a stand-up set. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and also, stand-up comedians in general don't like addressing the concept of shame, lest no. they be forced. Uh, mm-hmm. No, they can't. They can't. They can't acknowledge it in any way. No. Well, Speaking I would have thought you wouldn't be able to make a wouldn't be able to make Seinfeld without without ignoring shame. <laughs> I'm loving the dramatic tension that's building in this episode. Um, I I spend enough of my life as a stand-up comedian uh, being ashamed. I feel like on stage, I tend to avoid concept of shame so perhaps jerry is doing the same thing anyway so um <laughs> no just 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 musing on what you said yeah the meat of the episode is that costanza quits his job uh we get this opening scene where costanza comes in and goes on like a huge rant at his boss about how his boss is an idiot well, and his boss is like on the phone and smoking a cigar or something throughout this and it's just sort of mildly bemused uh we later and costanza storms out we later discover that he did this because his boss wouldn't let him use his toilet um let the man shit. That's what I say. 
Um, and then it cuts to a scene in Jerry's apartment where Kramer is describing to Jerry how like Newman, who we've not yet met, keeps threatening to commit suicide by jumping out of his apartment and that Kramer doesn't care. But he's like, he keeps ringing me and waking me up at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, um, this, this, this scene really, really rubbed me the wrong way. I think this is maybe why I didn't enjoy the episode so much because like, this is played for laughs that like, I don't know, maybe it's Newman, a character who's been set up already, but like the fact that their upstairs neighbor is like trying to kill himself and they're like cracking gags about it. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, who's, who's Newman? Uh, you don't, yeah. you, well, you, you, you don't, land on the ass. You don't, <laughs> <laughs> you don't meet Newman for quite some time. He's what he, um, He's Jerry's nemesis, but I don't think they decided at this point that he was going to be Jerry's nemesis. Uh, okay. Um, uh. I, I mean, I, I always assume that this scene is supposed to be set up to, uh, to demonstrate the character's uh, quite astonishing lack of, um, lack of empathy. I don't think you're not. Spo- you're, I don't think well, in you're that case to- it succeeded absolutely. I, I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not positive you're supposed to be. Agreeing with them, I think that the it's a uh, that the mm. laughter is supposed to originate from it being such an appalling thing to say, mm. yeah. as opposed to thinking uh. this is right and this is good advice. Mm. Although, yeah. in all fairness, it does echo a certain kind of culmination in online mental health discussion, like particularly kind of like emotional labour. Like, so if mm. your friend tells you that they're going to kill themselves, you do not. Have to you do not have to perform the emotional labor of trying to stop them. You don't <laughs> because you have to put on your own mask first. Jerry is an emotional labor guy. Yeah, that, I think mm. that's what people that's keep what trying I to get think. me to do emotional labor. I do enough regular labor. Why am I doing all this emotional labor? That's what I Newman think. is sulking in his tent and will not come out. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't care. We don't care. Jerry's and got a I, mental health Instagram he says, now. of Long Island's left him. What am I supposed to do about it? I will say that um, it does have it does have a very like the final almost the final line of the episode is quite funny, and it does it's a good setup. And I'll, I'm skipping ahead to this where Newman is on the roof and they're shouting up to him, and and the the guy who lives across from Jerry is like out of desperation. He's like, "Do you want to go to like play pool later or something?" And then Newman's like, "No, no, I'm actually I've got plans. I'm going out to dinner," and like that, that's actually like <laughs> that is actually quite funny. Um, Fuck! I didn't see that bit. Was that cut out of the version that I watched? Maybe. I'm pretty sure the version that I watched ended before that. I think the because the the version that the version that I've got ends with uh, George being despondent about his job. Yeah. Or they did. A, they did a special director's cut for Abby. They were like, "She's yeah. not enjoying this. We need to come up with something." <laughs> Abby got the Seinfeld Snyder cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did wonder about all the kind of extra CGI they seem to have added. There's <laughs> a bit about Iron Man starts fighting aliens. It's very strange. Um, yeah, that that is a good that is a good line though. I concur. I think that would have added to it for me. <laughs> Maybe I just imagined that. Maybe I just started imagining mm. my own better version of Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> Writing your own Seinfeld. Now that's the real emotional labor. Um, uh, so then the other plot points are that. Uh, Jerry's on his way to do his laundry and Kramer's asking if he can throw his clothes in and Jerry obviously doesn't really want to, but he, he agrees in the end, goes down to the laundry guy, asks the laundry guy to like separate them out um, and uh, that's when he meets Costanza. They're always bumping into each other in places where like you wouldn't bump into your friends. Like 
It's never well, implied he... that George and Jerry live near each other, but they bump into each other in the laundrette. Well, because no, Jerry no, no, says, no, what, no, how did you know I was yeah, here? They explicitly address that by Jerry saying, mm. why are you here? How did you know I was here? I think that's good. I think that's a, fu- I think that's a, a funny little knowing. Sorry, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Well, showing myself up here as a Seinfeld analyst. Well, did you watch the episode? Well, obviously, because <laughs> how do you think I made these notes? Did I guess? I don't know. I think you guessed. I made like a very good guess. I think like I got back- surprisingly I think, close. I think you backformed it. I think you looked at the title and went, all right, I'm going to do a sample script here. I'm going to work out what possibly could be the revenge situation. At some point, my notes like really seriously diverge from the episode. Like 9-11 happens halfway through. <laughs> 9-11 was like sped up to 1992. Um. Uh. Yeah. And so they have this conversation about how Costanza's quit his job and that uh maybe he could do something else. And then it, Jerry's like, "Well, what do you like?" And he's like, oh, "I like baseball. Maybe I could be like a baseball manager." And he's like, "Yeah, I don't think they hire guys like you for that." And he's like, "Talk show host. Goes through these various other jobs that he couldn't possibly have." Then it cuts to another bit. Uh. So we get a bit of uh Jerry talking about how uh working in office is weird because. When you show up in the morning, you say hi to everyone and then you just keep saying hi to them throughout the day because you bump into them again. But you have to come up with like different ways of saying hi because it gets gets weird otherwise. I think this is a good bit. And is it reflective of your experience? It, yeah. Um, I, haven't wor- I haven't worked in an office for a very long time. Mm. But the like what always struck me is the kind of petty demands on your... On your finite social energy. Mm. Um, your emotional labor, yeah, if you will. Yeah, like the emotional yeah. labor of having to say hello to people. Carolyn Accounts is threatening to kill herself again. <laughs> I'm not going up there. I'm not going up there. It's only the first floor. There's only so much damage she, she can do. She knows why. She knows why. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was Still with that Dorian bloke at the Christmas party when he photocopied his ass. <laughs> <laughs> now he's a cursed portrait. <laughs> <laughs> the only bit that's left of him is his ass. Do you think that uh, there's a poten- there's a potential for Dorian Gray's um, whole syndrome that he's got? Do you reckon there's mm. a potential for that being contagious? His syndrome was was implied to be being gay. That's not really a syndrome. No, 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 no. no, no. I mean, like his syndrome of he gets he stays the same age and his portrait ages. Yeah. That's not supposed to be. Which, as I understand it, is what being gay is. <laughs> that's not supposed to be. That's not supposed to be a metaphor for being gay, is it? Well, the story, the story of him indulging in like the sinful. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. But no, no, no. I not mean the portrait spe- thing. No, I mean, gays spe- are so young these no, days. No, I mean specifically the portrait. <laughs> that's why. Just to be very clear, specifically the portrait. I'm not yeah. sort, of, sort of sort of deciding oh, okay. to like out myself as a gigantic homophobe. <sighs> Mm. This is what this is that this is that this is the venue I've chosen to say that I think being gay is a syndrome. Mm. Um, Unveiling yeah. <laughs> my new treatment course. <laughs> this this podcast is brought to you by Phoebe's conversion therapy, which is still legal. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I th- yeah. I don't think I don't think they're I don't think they're going to ban it. I don't I don't think they're going to ban it in any meaningful way because they. They can't ban conversion therapy in a meaningful way without also saying that they're banning it for trans people. And they can't do that because if yeah. they do, then their base will go like absolutely mental. So I think what they'll do is they'll, they'll ban like the most egregious versions of it, like the versions yeah. where you like strap people in a chair and like makes them watch propaganda. But they'll leave all the normal mm. ones intact. Yeah. 
Yeah, because there because there are sort of, there are sort of types of conversion therapy, mm. uh, which some of them involve magical portraiture. <laughs> that's what conversion therapy is. They like, say, this is like, how good you'd look if you were gay. Like, how do you how do you feel about stopping being gay? And then we've got this portrait set up. <laughs> you get um, a free portrait. You get a you get a free <laughs> aging a portrait. Yeah, have you in a rough? You know that, that's rough? like a popular thing where people online, that, that people sell it online. Like, oh, would you like send in a picture of yourself and we'll send you back like an Elizabethan style portrait for only like a hundred quid. Why on earth would you want that? I don't know. People are idiots. But like that's uh, that's like a common grift thing. You can I do it for your like, dogs, can't you? Uh, well, I know you there's can. like a whole like pet portrait scam that goes on. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> this portrait <laughs> of my dog keeps getting older and uglier. <laughs> my dog. And my dog refuses to age. <laughs> portrait of Dorian Gray for your dog. My dog only the gets portrait of Dorian Greyhound. The portrait of Dorian Greyhound. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Uh... My, do- my dog simply gets gayer by the day. <laughs> and is wearing a ruff. Um... It would be fun to have a gay dog, I think. Because y- your dog could literally fuck all it wanted and you knew you'd be at no risk of puppies. It would be a, you know... <laughs> and and a fun anecdote as well. <laughs> fun anecdote. Um, yeah, no, because there's because there's the actually, you know what? We don't need to talk about conversion therapy on a no. podcast about. My take about. on conversion therapy is, is it, it should only is be legal bad? straight to gay. <laughs> That's my. I think everyone should have the chance to be gay if they so wish. That's my opinion. <laughs> um. Woke conversion therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Giving yourself like the Dolezal treatment. <laughs> For woke reasons. Oh no! <laughs> I just want to understand. Is that so wrong? Um, <sighs> we should cut that bit out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> okay, we have the bit about saying hi to people at the office. Yeah, I think no, I think that's I think that's good, and I think I think we got into conversion therapy, and then we brought it out again. Yeah. So anyway, he's talking about saying hi at the office. Um. And uh, how you have to keep saying hi to people all day at the office, which I think is sort of well observed. I didn't find it to be that amusing, but it, you know, I think. I mean, I've, I've never worked in an office, so it didn't. I've never really worked, so. Oh, that's fair enough. Yeah, I support that. Yeah, no, mm. legit, honestly. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty tight. Pretty good. I yeah. How do you mm. how do how do you how do you fix that? Uh, well, my well, my first ever job. I worked in a few pubs and stuff, yeah. and then I went full time with YouTube and did a, and it took off. And now I'm doing YouTube and a professional professional actress as well. So I never had to work in. Oh no, sorry, I tell a lie. I did actually once work in an office doing data entry for the NHS. That's true, I did. I had just forgotten about that. Did you have to say hi to everyone? No, no one said hello to me. Oh. It would be funny if you became a stand-up comedian and you were forced to do bits about your incredibly unrelatable life experience. Like, don't you just hate it when you're at work and you have to keep saying, like and subscribe? <laughs> Milo, why do you think I'm no longer a stand-up? <laughs> I did it for four years. Oh, did, was, you? did you? Yeah, yeah I had no yeah, idea. I, I started at uni, yeah. Um, I ended up being the most popular comedian in St. Andrews, uh, which is oh, a wow. very, very small town. Uh, there were about... A dozen comedians, uh, and there's like you one. You bested them all. I bested all eleven of them. Yes. Um, mm. I my my favorite. You would have liked it, Milo. My favorite bit that I ever did. My, one of my favorite routines um, was I read this. I read a book about terrorism, 
and uh, the uh, the author said that when terrorist cells run suicide missions, they get a lot of volunteers and have to reject a lot of them. So the oh, bit yeah, was about yeah. what is the suicide bomber rejection letter like? And then I like <laughs> I read it out. It was like, dear candidate, thank you for your interest in murder. And like it was it was structured around a university rejection letter. And it ended oh, up nice. going very, and it went on way too long. And it used to absolutely split the room. Like half of people would be pissing themselves and half of them wouldn't. And I would act out these like two would-be terrorists, one of whom had been rejected. And then I'd get to the end and then the, one of them would be like, I'm really sorry, man. I'm sorry you didn't get it. Like, I know how much your heart was set on it. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'm really good. He's like, so what are you going to do now? And he's like, well, I'm probably going to have to go with my backup option. I'm going to do a master's in English at Durham. I knew it was going to be Durham. It's always Durham. <laughs> and that was the bit. Yeah. They rejected him from Al-Qaeda, but I joke's on them because his career is blowing up. Oh, God. Oh, my God. See, this is why I stopped. This is why I stopped. I never had anything that good. You know, it just leads you down a dark path. <laughs> I think it's good that in these troubled and polarizing times that everyone can come together and unite around how much we all hate the University of Durham. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because they, um, they invented porting, and then St. Andrews, we invented champagning. Um, was it, was it, was it you guys? St. Andrews never want to be outdone. I don't know what either of those are. Because it was... Oh, uh, Durham, they was were it, poor bottles of port over their heads. Because it wasn't it? You, you guys started at Cambridge. Because you they wish milking. they were Oxford. You That's started why. milking, didn't you? No, wasn't I think milking you? was just a thing that people were doing. It definitely wasn't an Oxbridge thing. I remember mm. it being a thing, but no one was doing it at Cambridge. So it was kind of like um, it was kind of like planking. It was like a viral <laughs> content thing. Uh, so you would yeah. go into a public space and pour milk over your head, and then Durham did it with port, and they called it porting. Like in the aisle of a supermarket, you'd create a supercut of people doing it. And then St. Mm. Andrews invented champagneing, and we had a bunch of people like pouring champagne on themselves and jumping off the pier, or pouring champagne on themselves in the bath. Um, and then at that point, it became like a bunch of papers picked it up and said that St. Andrews was awful. And we were like, we didn't start it. It was fucking Durham. Um, <laughs> it's always fucking Durham. Yeah, it always originates. So you can always trace it back to Durham. They're jealous of our red trousers. Mm. Yeah. It's just, they, they can never quite get the shade right. Um, there's, a, there's, a, like, there's a special red trouser dye, and it's locked in a vault at the <laughs> University of Durham. <laughs> Like the Scientifique Internationale, yeah, like exactly. red trouser die. Yeah, yeah, they've got it's one like, pair of red trousers behind glass. That's the reference point for all of yeah. them. It's like one of um, Anish Kapoor's colours. <laughs> it's in a vault. They're all in. They're all in a vault. Mm. Um, I can't remember what we were talking about. Yeah, Seinfeld. I mean, a big pair yes. of like Jeff Koons <laughs> red trousers. Um, anyway, yeah, so we talked about that bit. Uh, then what happens next is uh, Costanza decides to go back to the office and just pretend he didn't quit. Jerry tells him to. And, yeah. and mm. because, like, because Jerry has, like, Abby never had a real job mm. um, and so doesn't, so doesn't understand about, like, workplace dynamics and so gives him this quite obviously terrible advice, which is just to go back in and pretend that nothing's happened. Mm. And it's that's like, kind of what emotion. I tried to do. That's kind of what I tried to do at Al Qaeda after I got rejected. Um, but it was just really <laughs> awkward. Just show up with your vest on, just like, yeah, yeah. well, the rejection was a joke, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just we're riffing. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we can't. Yeah. Which one am I getting now. on again? 
They were like, you're not getting, they're not going to let you on a plane. You're trans. Like, you're going to be immediately suspicious going through security. We can't have you. <laughs> um, yeah, so he goes, and then and then his boss is like, no, you're like. <laughs> I was just imagining, like, woke but dumb person trying to cancel Al-Qaeda, but, but because their suicide bombers aren't gender diverse. <laughs> 19 hijackers all of the men guys it's 2001 come on putting it up on your instagram stories do better <laughs> hire more women hijackers. i suppose they weren't really hired were they they were unpaid interns yeah oh now that oh, is the cancellation metric that, yeah, right there. there we go mm. yeah they weren't paid um not in money i guess yeah, I hear they're being paid with virgins, which is both against labor laws and kind of fucked up. Mm. Joining Al-Qaeda to try and unionize it. Much like Jerry Seinfeld was paid, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I, see, I have quite a lot of sympathy with their, with their ethos and their mission statement, but their labor conditions are outrageous. Mm. Mm. 19 out of the 19 hijackers died. That's like pretty bad workplace safety. That is, yeah. I wouldn't have happened in the EU. Although, did you know that quite a lot of uh, health and safety regulation subclauses arose out of that specific hijacking? So- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, do, I believe that, including one I- of the health and safety subclauses that was the war on terror. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what the war, the war on terror was an entire health and safety subclause. Mm. It was it was essentially a, re- a series of regulations that had to be run mm. through HR. It's because of the European Union. Now, when you build a tall building, you've got to put caution tape around it in case of hijackers getting lost. That's right. That political right. correctness gone mad. It is. It um, is political correctness gone mad. That's right. Um, and so anyway, his boss like re-fires him and then gives him this lecture about how he's a winner and Costanza will always be a loser. Um uh, and then there's another scene in Jerry's apartment where Costanza tells Jerry that he's going to spike his boss's drink, um, which he describes as slipping him a Mickey, which I'd never heard before as a mm. term. Um, it's a very, uh, it's a very weird twist in the storyline that because no one can really explain why Costanza decides to do this or why he thinks it will help in any way, but including I, him. But I quite, but I quite like that, and I also quite like that the only person who's fully on board with this idea is Elaine, who's like, yeah. This is a great idea. It's like mm. something in the movies, and like actually and George have a little bonding moment, and I like that because um, I just really think it's really important for like to uh, for popular culture to kind of model healthy friendships between men and women. That's right. Whether that be uh, just hanging out in a non-sexual way or uh, getting together to slip your boss a Mickey. Yeah. Yeah, but Jerry says he's never heard this expression either. He asks him what oh, it does means. He? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because then why do you keep saying slipping him a Mickey? I've never heard anyone say that. Mm. Oh, we're slipping him a Mickey. What's that? <laughs> Mickey Mouse. Mickey oh, Mouse. I see. Oh, I see. <laughs> Mickey Mouse <laughs> taking out a file of Rehypnol and going, it's a special tool that will help us later. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's, gonna... that's horrifying. Actually, no, but if really, it... that's the line on this podcast? <laughs> yeah. where we talk, that's where the line is on this, <laughs> on this 9-11 paedophilia podcast. The line is the Disney Corporation mascot trying to render someone unconscious for illicit purposes. Milo did yeah. promise me that there would be no pedos on this episode. I, I never promised that. You asked me to promise that, and I didn't. <laughs> That's what well, happened who, there. Who, who brought up the ancient Greeks? I mean, that was was bound to happen. Oh, was that me? I think it might have been I, you, yeah. Oh, 
Shit. Damn. Brought it on yourself. Damn. Mm. Self-inflicted. Ancient Greeks. We were all pedos, by the way. That's true. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what was I going to say about something? Yeah, actually, I think that Mickey Mouse, presuming that he's uh, slipping his boss, the Mickey, mm. who was Walt Disney, actually mm. fine. Walt Disney, horrible man. If he'd have been unconscious, I mean, it can only have been for the greater good, really. Well, mm. they might they would have had to do that before they cryogenically froze him. Yeah, they had that. You have to. He you, wasn't you dead. Just they just drugged him. <laughs> they were like, "We got to get rid just, of this guy." Just slipped him. Just slipped him the Mickey and then froze him. Yeah, that's why it's called slipping in the Mickey, because yeah. it's what they did to Walt Disney before that's where the freezing comes him. From, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Walt Disney in like the ninth circle of hell is just confronted by a burning mouse skeleton. He's like, "We meet again." I'm <laughs> 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 supposed to be immune from hell. That's why they froze me. No, Walt, no. Walt Disney tortured, tortured for eternity for his extreme anti-Semitic views by the burning skeletons of mice. I presume, right, I presume that <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I presume that for him, torture would be just finding out that actually Judaism was correct. Ah, oh. yeah, yeah. So bad luck, Walt, wherever you are. Yeah, bet on the wrong horse there. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, although to be fair, I don't think that um, the uh, your average Nazi sympathizer has a kind of liturgical or theological objection per se. It's yes, not that's that they're true. Just, yes, it's not that they're just yes. like looking at it. It's like, you know what? I'm really not happy with the uh, specific order in which they put the Ten Commandments. Not happy mm. about this at all. Mm. <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> the Nazis just really wanted to be able to get on with their Saturday. <laughs> like, that was the origin <laughs> of the. Yeah. So, yeah. This is um, not very efficient. I don't, I don't. We also promised no Nazi voices this week. Uh, no, we didn't. Yes, we did. We didn't even talk about Nazi voices. We did, we did Nazi now voices. you're just putting Nazi words vo- in my we mouth. We did Nazi voices last week. Well, that's true, but we, we didn't wanna, say we there were no more. We don't want to get known as the Nazi Voices and Pedos podcast. We want to be known as the Cows podcast. I've got bad news <laughs> for you about our reviews. <laughs> <laughs> love, love cows, love Nazi voices and pedos. We're the, as. We're, we're, we, like, we like cows and other wholesome things. I mm. don't like Mickey Mouse. I think he's a little fucker. Yeah, I don't care for him, actually. I don't like his little red shorts. Who the fuck does he think he is? He doesn't go to St. Andrews. It's appropriating <laughs> no, St. Andrews culture. No, he doesn't. <laughs> summertime being American, in St. Andrews. Despite yeah. being American. On a summertime <laughs> in St. Andrews, you wore like, even more layers. It was bloody freezing around the Scottish coast. Yeah. You'd be the Rhodes Scholar mm. to St. Andrews. <laughs> but, it's, but it turns up and it's Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. That's actually a good theory, is that Mickey Mouse was at St. Andrews. Because in Fantasia, he wears that big cape. Mm, yes, we did have to do that. that. Yeah. Oh, actually, well, the fact that there are so many Americans at St. Andrews uh, did produce some quite interesting cross-cultural moments. So a friend mm. of mine who's a Scottish guy named Leon was outside the student union once and he, um, he went up to an American and he was like, hey, pal, can I bum a fag? Um, as in, can I borrow a cigarette? Yeah. And the American guy went, yeah, I mean, you can. If that, that's your choice if you want to do that, man. <laughs> and Leon was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it is, it is your choice if you want to do that, and that's why you can sign up for my straight to gay conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. He's got his easel set up in the corner. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> oh, it's all coming together now. <laughs> With the, the rich tapestry of bits that we've woven over the course of this podcast, we're all bringing it back together now in the final few minutes. That's right, yeah. We're barely halfway done. through this episode. It's 
very well scripted. <laughs> Absolutely. It's very it's well scripted. Fucking tenet of podcasts. Yeah. Okay, so we get another plot beat, which is that uh, Newman does what is apparently an attention-seeking suicide attempt where he like jumps out of a very low window. Um, and uh, they have a discussion about that because apparently he said he was going to wave to Kramer uh, on the way down. Yeah, Kramer says wave on your way down. Oh, sorry, right. And then Jerry's like, did he wave? Um, uh, there's a there's this whole plot thing where uh, Jerry supposedly had $1,500 cash in his laundry bag and they go down to the laundry place to try and get the money back. The laundry guy is like, it's not my fault you left $1,500 in the laundry bag. I didn't see it. And then he's, and then he like shows them a sign saying they take no responsibility for like stuff you leave in your laundry bag. And he's like, oh, you've got a sign, so you've just got a license to steal. And there's a, it's one of those bits where Jerry kind of does a bit like there was not formally a bit, but is sort of a bit within the show where he's just like going on a rant about the sign. Um, and then uh, they come up with this way to get this back at actually, the laundry guy. Sorry, this is actually another example of a slightly uh, curious preoccupation that runs through Seinfeld, which is uh, extreme anti-laundry professional sentiment because oh, we had this yeah. with dry cleaners as well. Got so really mad at the dry yeah, cleaner. So basically anyone mm. who works in laundry, Jerry Seinfeld's coming for you. That's right. Yeah. Not coming for you. He's coming for he's, you. He's coming to get you, yeah. He's yeah. coming to get you. He's not sexually aroused mm. by you. To my knowledge. I don't yeah. know. Maybe, maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's a kind of hate, like kind of hate arousal. Mm, perhaps like a yeah. Freudian ambivalence thing. Yeah, like the smell mm. of the dry cleaning fluid makes him very, very angry and very, very erect. A bit like formaldehyde makes people hungry. Like whatever they put in dry cleaning. Yeah, yeah. yeah that must be annoying if you work in a morgue. No, it's like apparently. Oh, like, some people are delicious. Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, apparently medical students say that when they're doing their uh, cadaver, 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 lady cadaver, <laughs> lady cadaver. <laughs> Right, my streets of Coventry. <laughs> the inventor of the cadaver. That's right. Um, yeah, um, they they all, they all say that it's like it's really really unpleasant because you start like you start getting not only just like really hungry, but you start cra- like craving meat specifically, and it's like apparently like quite creepy that you're like cutting up this dead body and just being like, oh. I how do really they know that that's steak. a side? Of, how do they know that's a side effect of formaldehyde and not just a side effect of corpses? Oh. Oh, I don't know. Right, I'm never going to sleep again. Some guy runs <laughs> a really cafe covered by a grave in this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you something about them necrophiliacs. They always order a steak. <laughs> <laughs> necrophiliac community. Yeah, all right. Just, just wash yourself off before you come in. All right, son. I, w- I will bet you 10 pounds, 10 British pounds, that there is like a pro-necrophilia account somewhere on Twitter, the necrophiliac oh, community. I bet you, oh. yeah. There is. Me and Hussein did a 10k episode about it. it. (laughs) (laughs) Hussein runs it. I do the. I do the publicity. Yeah. Uh, It's disgusting. Um, Yeah. No. No. We did an episode by Lady Cadaver. We did. (laughs) At Lady Cadaver on Twitter. (laughs) We did. Yeah. We did an episode of 10k Mm. specifically about the uh, no Marxist should object to necrophilia. Because no it's just yeah, because it's following it's following neoliberal conceptions of ownership. 
Well, I look forward to listening to that particular episode. I'll find it. I'll I'll find it for you, Abby. It's a uh, Mm. (laughs) doing a class analysis that like the dead have been lording it over us for too long. (gasps) Well, Um. which do you think is more offensive? Is it more offensive to fuck it or to eat it? Ooh. <laughs> mm. I think it's more offensive mm. to fuck it. That's more disrespectful. Yeah, I think because that's there more are, disrespectful. There are scenarios like if you're on a desert island or something where I can understand that you yeah. wouldn't want to eat a corpse, but it would be morally acceptable. I can't imagine it, yeah. a scenario in which, in which it would ever be morally ex- morally acceptable to fuck a corpse. Mm. You, should see, you should have seen the look. Uh, Milo just gave me when I asked that question. <laughs> I asked that question. It's like, is that is is that what we want? Is you that see, what we Phoebe want our tries legacy to, to be? Me is the person who says horrible things on the podcast, <laughs> but it is only a Kaiser Soze style cover for the sort of things that she slips in under the radar. That's right. Mm. Are you suggesting that Phoebe's blast. got pictures of the Trojan horse behind you? <laughs> <laughs> and in answer to your question, the only polite thing to do is eat it and then fuck it. <laughs> Come on. It's 2021. Actually, because I've got, I've got, a, I've got a Trojan pony, which is a uh, much more, much neater. Can fit fewer men in it, though. It can fit fewer men, um, but it's much more portable. It's much cuter. <laughs> a Shetland. <laughs> Getting in a small four-man team. <laughs> a tactical <laughs> insertion in a Trojan horse. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, I actually showing up just being like. We're never, we're never gonna fit in there. Like they, they sort of show, like showing up at like Enterprise at the airport, and your like dickhead friend has rented a much too small car, and I was like, we're never gonna, we're not gonna fit the bleeding suitcases in this. And everyone's just, this is, this is a, this is an amusing image to me. It's a personal bugbear of yours, I can tell. It must have it been quite a like big horse to fit all those me. men and like armor and weapons in there. Mm. Did it have seats inside? I, d- I presume what, like not. A, like Maybe a van. Bench. Yeah, <laughs> seatbelts. <laughs> right. Okay. Everyone got. Have you got your seatbelt on? Odysseus. Yeah. <laughs> put it on. Put it on. Stop uh, pissing about. And how many horsepower like, oh, does this get? I must die. One, yeah. obviously. <laughs> look, the rest of the Danans look up to you, Odysseus, and if you don't wear your seatbelt, none of them will. <laughs> That's right. Um, <gasps> the, ho- the horse. The horse starts up, and Agamemnon's like, "I need to go to the toilet. Should have gone." Look, you're going to have to let Ajax, son of Telamon, sit in the front because he's the biggest. Because <laughs> he needs co- the legroom. Yeah, Ajax, very... son of Oileus, you're small. Yeah, he may well be, but I get travel sickness. I've got to be in the front. Anyway, I called shotgun. He's <laughs> <laughs> having an argument in the Trojan horse. Trojans are like listening into this through the walls. Like, what the fuck are these? Oh, what the fuck what, is what going on? What a peculiar on? horse. We should probably have a look. In, we should probably have a look inside this horse. No, 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 no. All giant wooden horses bicker. Yeah, it's Paris a, it's is wandering around horse. asking about the best filter. <laughs> <laughs> Can't look it in the mouth. Absolutely not. Um, right, I'll, I will endeavour to get through the rest of the plot beats of this episode. If that's not the origin of the phrase can't look a gift horse in the mouth, is it? No, I don't, I don't think, think so. it is. Because no. that's one gift horse they really should have looked in the mouth. Yeah, well, mm. would it depends if the head was solid. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we're going to... This isn't a real horse <laughs> at all. It's head solid. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we're going to just sort of stray back to the how is a centaur built quite soon. So maybe we should move away from They are built different. Um, Anyway, so... (laughs) When when the horse hit different. When the horse hit different. Uh, So uh, George goes to a party that his boss is throwing with like the staff at a bar. He gets Elaine to help him distract his boss. 
Uh, meanwhile, Jerry and Kramer go back to the laundry with their scheme to put concrete in the washing machine to get revenge on the guy. So there's this like fun theme being set up where both Jerry and George are trying to exact revenge in mm. their own ways. Um, and there's this fun slapstick uh, scene where he's trying to distract the laundry guy while Kramer pours concrete in the thing. But he's put all this concrete into a laundry bag, but it's obviously very heavy. So he keeps like falling over and hitting his head and stuff. Sort of Faulty Towers style. I think that's a really good revenge to take on the owner of a laundromat to put cement in his machine. Mm. I think that's good. Yeah. I made a note of it for if I I had an anger by the owner of a laundromat. Yeah. It just doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. And and it ends badly, as we know. Mm. Um, Because... Right, so anyway, then uh, Elaine manages to get the attention of Costanza's boss by uh, telling him at great length how she does everything naked. Um, and he's just like looking at her with his, like, his tongue hanging out of his mouth like a Looney Tunes character. Um, and Costanza manages to get the woman on the other side of him to move uh, so that he can spike his drink by threatening to pull off her wig. Mm. And then she's mm. like, I'm not wearing a wig. And he's like, three, two, and then she leaves. Um, <laughs> I thought that was quite nice. That was there's, some, yeah. there's, some, there's some nice character building of Elaine in this episode in general. Like mm. I, I really like the bit when Jerry says, so how did you get Elaine to agree to this? Uh, and George's like, oh, I told her like what a sexist my boss is and how he's like always like cheating on his wife and you know being really, being really sexist and stuff. And Jerry says, she knows about that. She doesn't care. And George says, yeah, but I also said that he doesn't recycle. And I think that's like, I think that's, mm. I, thought, I thought that was fun. I thought that was I didn't recycling that was, was such a thing this early on. Oh, yeah. No, no. Like, weirdly, because you do get, uh, you do get bits and pieces of um, Elaine's politics uh, later on. And they, I think that in terms of like the kind of political content of US sitcoms such as it is, it massively narrows and gets a lot more conservative after Seinfeld. Ah. And I, I'm not going to go into that now because um, we're A, we're running out of time and B, um, it's for a discussion of another episode. But it is quite interesting. There you go. And I say that as a, as a, an accredited Seinfeldologist. Yeah, it's Phoebe Trojan horsing that bit into this episode. Mm. Um, and so uh, then uh, George spikes the drink uh, oh wait, sorry. There's there's another bit where uh, Jerry uh, asks, "Is is effeminate to use the gentle cycle on the washing machine?" Which I thought was very funny. That is like, funny, fellas. <laughs> fellas, is mm. it? Um, getting the getting the laundry laundromat conversion therapy. Um, then boss offers the boss offers George's job back uh, after George has spiked his drink, but before drinking from it. Um, and then what happens is he gives this speech about how they're having George back. But he's also just like very rude about George. And George is about to stop him from drinking the spike drink. And then is like, yeah, whatever. And just lets him drink it. And then it immediately cuts back to them brainstorming what job George could do. In a classic sitcom cut. I, sh- I mean, I, I should say that I do have as one of my notes here, uh, George invents sports YouTube. And I didn't explain or elaborate. Oh, he does. On my, on, my, on my notes. But I would, but I would like to talk about it. Mm. Um. Because I think I think that what I was talking about here is when he's saying, "Well, I'd like to be like a manager of a sports team, or like maybe like maybe like a kind of announcer or a commentator." Commentator, yeah. And Jerry says, "No, you have to be an ex-ball player or a broadcaster to do that." Mm. And he says, "Well, I don't see why. I don't see why." And then just like there's a huge sort of smash cut 
to 25 years later and George Costanza is founding Arsenal fan TV. He's the baseball crank. Yeah, he is. He's the baseball Mm. crank. And that now would be an extremely popular account, I think. Mm, You'd do well. Mm. Yeah. I think you'd get a lot of audiences, but you'd get a big audience, but they wouldn't necessarily be particularly loyal. So you would have to, I mean, with that kind of content, you're going to get a lot of people but it's going to be hard to convert that into like people mm. signing up for Patreon and stuff. You've got to rely on the ads. <laughs> yeah, which means you've got to really, really push it. Um, mm. So I don't think you'd be very happy making that kind of content. I mean, really, this, the, the, real, the real lucky, lucky YouTube stuff is, and, and podcast stuff is the kind of stuff that like you guys and Trash Future and, and me do is where you have uh, a lovely and loyal listenership who support you on Patreon and stuff. That allows you the most creative yeah. freedom, really. Mm. They want to hear about cows, Greeks, pedos, mm-hmm. Nazis. Mm-hmm. And Dorian Gray. Yeah, and A lot Dorian of classical Gray. literature in this episode of the pod. <laughs> yeah, well, we try, we try and uh, cram, in as much, cram in as much as possible. In fact, you could say that we are Trojan horse. Mm. Um, both of mm. our entirely wasted and valueless classical educations mm. into a podcast all, about all Seinfeld. All three, in fact. I, uh, I, I, I was... I was that was inflicted on me as well. it's good. It's good. No, I, I did. I did. I did. I did wonder why you were so vibing with the uh, with the Iliad material, but absolutely. I, I, I did. Um, I did some ancient history and classics at St Andrews's Minors. That Minors. Well, they yeah, as, as it wasn't my major. Do they? They do majors and minors at St Andrews, literally like an American school. Well, they don't call it that, but it's that's like the Scottish system is you do oh. a major. So I did my. I did uh, my major honours with philosophy, but I also did some theology, some classics, some ancient history, and some astrophysics. Oh, that's a really good idea. Mm. Yeah, it's really fun. Huh. Why don't they do that here? Because um, it's about get to... making you employable. It depends on the university. I mean, it, it, like uh, in, in our faculty at Cambridge, you could basically do minors, but they had to be within sort of like certain related disciplines, but you could, like, you could take papers from the English faculty or the history faculty or like... Um, I took one in the modern languages faculty because we all did modern Greek because it was a DOS, mm. um, which it absolutely was. Uh, it was like a, it was like this paper that was given to classic students, most of whom were like huge nerds who were like, well, now I'm going to learn modern Greek as well. And it was all like the MML students who had like failed out of their chosen language. So were put into like remedial modern Greek as like an emergency measure. Um, absolutely fascinating crossover. Oh, sorry, that's modern languages. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry, I thought it was. I thought it was maybe a kind of like like a kind of offshoot of MMA, which I yeah, thought was quite, 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 well. quite a funny combat. idea. Yeah, mixed, mixed martial, martial linguistics. Yeah, join exactly. me in the French dojo. Mixed martial losers, am I right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Allez, mec moi, avec moi. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, um, welcome to a new regular section of the show where we discuss educational policy. Absolutely. I mean, to be fair, it, it makes perfect sense because it is our waste of an expensive education that has sent us insane. And so it kind of the fact that we use it to do stupid bits, mm. it kind of is the perfect encapsulation. Oh, no, I use it to spoil people's enjoyments of films. Mm. Also well, good. Mm. Well, I've managed to put my philosophy degree to a reasonably good use and my acting degree. Yeah, there you go. You've, done, done, you've right, really done the right, best. All right, Abby. Come, come on our podcast. I use my degree. I, uh, some of us do Nazi voices Some of and talk us do Nazi cows. voices with our degrees <laughs> Some of us Might well run into people from, from school And literally not know what to say to them When they are asked what they're doing with their lives now 
taking a modern languages paper in Nazi voices. Milo doing a major in bits and a minor in silly accents. <laughs> so, Phoebe, I haven't seen you for ages. What are you doing now? Here are my two children. Oh, la, la. Me and my best <laughs> mate Milo bits. do Nazi bits. <laughs> That's right. And we See, talk well, about that's a, cows. That's a lot less awkward than the conversations I have to have with old friends now, Phoebe. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, you know what? Can't, I, I simply cannot argue with that. So, yeah. so, Actually, so you know fair what? A play. Of, a couple of my old school friends got in touch after I came out, um, including, by extraordinary coincidence, someone who was in my physics class in my year who was also a trans woman, it turns out. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, that complete coincidence. coincidence. Yeah, yeah, quite statistically unlikely. Um, but it turned out, yeah, she came out years ago and is now uh, is now a sports journalist, <laughs> tying it back into Seinfeld. <laughs> She's Costanza. She's Costanza. She's not Costanza. <laughs> Georgina Costanza. Yeah. No. Um, okay. Fair, fair play. Twitter account wife of Costanza. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, there you go. There you yeah. Go. These days, yeah. people ask me, "So, what are you up to?" And I'm like, "I'm a woman now." That's mostly what I'm up to: shopping. <laughs> yeah. uh, To be fair, I still think that's a less awkward conversation than I do Nazi voices for money. Yes, that's true. (laughs) Because you know you're in the right. Like if someone reacts badly, you at least know that that's their problem and not yours. You're just just being yourself and living your best life. I I Mm. choose to do this. When someone brings (laughs) up the Nazi voices, I have to be like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of got me there. I've come out as a Nazi voicer. Yeah. (laughs) I don't approve of the Nazis. I can't stress that enough. But good voices. But I am what I am. Yeah. Uh, this is how God made me. All right. I've got like two more. Having conversion points. therapy to learn a different accent to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing South African Nazi bits now. Uh. Yeah. Um. So, then what happens is Kramer finds the money in his laundry bag. Uh, and Jerry decides to go and pay the guy $1,200 for the damage to the machine. It's not really explained why. <laughs> um, uh, Costanza, I just noted down that Costanza at some point towards the end of the episode says that he really likes horses, which I thought is relevant. It is. It's always show. relevant. Relevant mm. to the, All animal discussion is relevant to this show. Yeah. Horses, cows, penguins. Yeah. Those are the three. Yeah, those, those are the, the main Those three. are three animals. All mm. animals are either a cow, a horse, or a, or a penguin. Or some or combination. Subset of same. Or some subset, yeah. Like a butterfly is like a kind of horse penguin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Good. I'm glad we're on board. No, I think so. Yeah. Tigers, then- are, tigers are like a horse squared. Yeah. <laughs> but, with, but with butterfly inflections because of the stripes. Mm, yes, good point. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, wait, no, that makes them also penguins. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm introduced a butterfly axis of animals. Horse squared times penguin. A butterfly is a type of penguin, right? Good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a penguin crossed back with a tiger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. And then right. So the episode closes with this bit about how like oh people say that revenge is living well it doesn't really work for Charles Bronson where I presume he's referring to the actor and not to well-known British criminal, uh, Charles Bronson. Well, he, well, I mean, he could have been referring to either. They're both pretty good at revenge. Uh, yeah. 
Because, you know, like the, his family's always getting murdered. And then he's like, uh, you know, what you need is a... No, as in, like, Charles Bronson, the actor, because he's always in a film where his family gets murdered. That's the implication of the Seinfeld bit. And then he's exacting revenge. I don't think I've ever seen a Charles Bronson film. I don't think I have either. No, nor have I. But I do know that he was in, like, kind of gritty action film type things. There is a film about the criminal Charles Bronson. It's got yeah, Tom, Hardy Tom Hardy in it. So is, is Charles Bronson the actor, kind of like a proto-Liam Neeson? I, yeah. yeah. I think he's more of a kind of Steven Seagal okay. character, I'd say. No, I think he's a bit more upmarket than Steven Seagal. Upmarket? Well, you know how Steven Seagal films like never really make sense? I think Charles Bronson films make sense. I think he's a bit more like Clint Eastwood. Oh, like, okay. Kinda, they're, like, they're often revenge-based, but they're not as stupid as a Steven Seagal film. So like proto-John Wick? I don't know. John Wick's pretty stupid. Remember, I still have not seen John Wick, so everything I know about it is based on memes. Yeah, because I I watched the first John Wick because of the memes, and mm. I was I quite like stupid action films, so I was expecting to enjoy it, and I was like, yeah, this really does. The plot is very thin on the ground here, even even though I'm like I enjoy it, like I will happily watch like I don't know like Die Hard or whatever and enjoy it. But John Wick, I was like, this is stretching it a bit thin. Even Die Hard for me. is an actively good film. And it's not an action film either. It is a teen <laughs> film. Die Hard is a film. It's of, a Christmas movie. Die Hard is a film about teenage girls. We don't have time for this. <laughs> I think we do. We, do, we simply do not. Like um, the kind that Jerry Seinfeld allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly, he was allegedly. in Die Hard. Allegedly. Welcome Di- to Allegedly Cast. Yeah. Die Hard with Seinfeld instead of Bruce Willis. I would love to see that. Oh my God. I, I would love to see that. Mm. Die Hard with Seinfeld, but as his character in B movie. Oh B. yeah, yeah. What's the deal with this plaza? What is the deal with this plaza? Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, uh, and so, but, but anyway, yeah. the bit is that like Charles Bronson is like he's about to murder all the people that killed his wife, and then uh, and then someone's like, Charles, what you need is a, is a new suit and a convertible. I'll show the, those punks. Did you know that uh, that the uh, Famed Borat, my wife, first appears in a Charles Bronson film. What? Nothing. I just, I just thought, I thought that was funny. Oh, wow. you just, you can, that's honestly, the only. He honestly, just talks in a normal voice throughout, apart from that bit. Yeah, that's right. Mm. You can get rid of that. You can get rid of that bit. It didn't work. No, I think we'll leave it in. <laughs> I would. Li- I'd like you to get rid of it. Yeah, right. you, your wishes have been noted. Smash cut to me and Milo in the Trojan horse bickering. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, need, all right, you need to cut this fucking bit out. Is to cut this bit out. We can't just sit in this horse and talk about pedos. We've got Trojans to kill. We have, yeah. People of Troy. That's right. Trojans. Um, <laughs> the people of Troy. Amazing. Yeah. People of. Um, if you're building a high wall around your city, that's actually appropriation. Muxaleus. Hector is. Hector is polyamorous. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hector fucks. Hector, Hector really fucks. Yeah, Hector fucks everyone inside. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What um, about Helen herself? She's just been an object in our rift so far. Well, that's because she is a woman. She's a herbo. I think, I think Helen... Herbo. I think Helen is a smoking hot trans woman. Yeah. Ooh, now that's a fun reading. Mm. Well, uh, like, depend, like, depending on which version of the myth you look at, she's also supposed to have hatched from an egg. Oh, well, there you go, mm. because, mm. listeners, if you weren't aware, an egg is trans slang for a person who does not yet realise that they are trans. Mm. So there you go. So maybe, ah. so maybe that's, so maybe that's the origin. from her egg. All oh, right, okay, okay, cool. 
Helen is trans. Is Clytemnestra trans? I don't. Which one's Clytemnestra? That's Agamemnon's Helen's sister and Agamemnon's wife. wife. Oh, I didn't realize she was Helen's sister. Yeah, she's Helen's sister. Oh. They are, so this is so basically so Helen Helen Clytemnestra and Castor and Polydukes or Castor and Pollux, depending, mm. um, are the four children of Leda, and I can't remember who her husband was. The Swan. <laughs> She doesn't marry the swan. <laughs> she is having a fling with well, the swan. That's prejudicial. Because uh, because Le- mm. Leda is also is also polyamorous. Mm. Uh, so she sleeps with the swan. Well, sleeps with, I think, is probably a bit euphemistic. Mm. She has sex with the swan, who is Zeus in disguise. Horrible, frantic, flappy sex. And then she has honking throughout. <laughs> <laughs> it is a beautiful Only the queen, mor- it is, a Only beautiful the queen is allowed to have sex with swans. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is a beautiful yeah. <laughs> It is a beautiful morning in Sparta and you are a horrible swan. Um That's right. Yes, and then she has and then she has two and then she has four children, two of whom hatch out of an egg. And two of whom the swans' children, presumably. Yeah, but two of whom are but two of whom are born live. So there, so she's got two mammal children and two bird children. And the eggs are Helen and I think Castor, but I can't remember. And the live children are Polydukes and Clytemnestra, despite the fact that Polydukes and Castor are also supposed to be twins. They're the heavenly twins. Ah, there you go. It's so all it's all over it's the all, shop. It's like honestly. They're 23 and me is an absolute fucking nightmare. Greek, Greek mythology really just is Kaiser Soze looking at the board. This is like <laughs> some eggs on a shelf. He's like, oh, yeah, it's egg there, twins. Uh, <laughs> I just did a that DNA. That one's trans, the other one's not. Just did a DNA test, turns out I'm 100% that swan. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, <laughs> it remains for us only to thank Abby very much for joining us. Thank you so much, Abby. My pleasure. Thank you for, for tuning into the Classics podcast. Um, <laughs> oh, absolutely. I very much enjoyed it. Um, do you have anything? I mean, this is almost amusing. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, listeners, if you don't know, I run a YouTube channel called Philosophy Tube. Um, uh, I teach philosophy in a fun way. Uh, I'm frequently found on the YouTube zone with the, with the TF crew. Uh, and I, I, I may also be visible somewhere else soon, but I can't tell you about that because I have an acting gig coming up. Um, mm. But if at some point during this year I put on a play, come and see the play. Yeah. If at some point you see a big wooden horse outside your front door, do let it in because <laughs> mm-hmm. it might just be mm-hmm. Abby inside there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We have a Patreon. Yeah. Please subscribe to it. Uh, it's it's three dollars a month to get uh, our regular bonus episodes, and five dollars a month if you want access to the Discord server, and also our monthly double bonus, double monthly bonus. movie corner where we talk about a movie that we that we've referenced on the podcast. Uh, so sign up to that, and we will catch you on the Patreon next week or on the free feed in two weeks' time. Thank Cheers. you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.